0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about dating, relationships, culture, and society from a male and a female perspective. If you're watching on YouTube, there's uh, a lot of sun in my eyes right now. I've got a kind of Darth Vader (laughs) look about me because the sun is just cascading off one side of my face and it looks very ominous. Uh, I apologize for the uh, wrong upload I did a few weeks ago. I uploaded episode 141 with the information of episode 140, uh, but that should be all sorted. Now, uh, today we're talking about escapism. So in this uh, increasingly digital world that we're living in, there are more and more avenues for escapism, whether that's pornography, VR, uh, online communities, you name it. What are the uh, incentives for people to pursue an avenue of escapism? And are there different reasons behind the different types of escapism? And where do we see this going? That's going to be very interesting. What does the future hold? Uh, but before we get into that, Eliza, you you, you had a, a little kid's birthday, was it? Or a baby <laughs> birthday? How was that?
1: Great. <laughs> like, Fantastic, um, yeah, nothing, nothing to report other than I went to a one-year-old's birthday party.
0: Was there a children's entertainer? One... What was, was there? It? You know how some people are children's entertainers. They come and they blow up balloons no. or whatever.
1: No, but you know it's funny. Someone um, was asking me like, should I do like a petting zoo at my? Because she's having a party for her her baby as well. And I was like, I'm the worst person to ask about this because, <laughs> like, I'm so against petting zoos and zoos in general. So I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know, ask someone else. Like, yeah, what are you supposed then, to uh, do
0: for a one-year-old? I mean, the, the jumping castle comes a few years later, right? So, they can't
1: walk yet. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. some can, but, of course, yeah, yeah, like, nothing. They They just sat on a the mat. They never interact with each other. I don't know if you saw my Instagram, but Remy kissed the birthday girl and he knocked her over and she started (laughs) screaming and then um, had a meltdown. So He's
0: already getting me too'd.
1: (laughs) That's what I said. I was like, I'm going to take him back home and bring out that consent book again because we've already read it 30 times (laughs) and I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Um, Why did he knock her
0: over?
1: He was kissing her. So remys he's the only baby in my mother's group. There's like eight or nine of us and he... He figured out kissing really, really early on. I think Adrian and I really like, I mean, everyone's affectionate. I shouldn't say it's because they're super affectionate, but that's just one thing he learned really early and he's obsessed with kissing. So he kisses anyone. He loves to kiss babies. If you pick him up, he tries to kiss you. Um, And he likes to like, he he kisses with his mouth open. So it's really gross and slobbery, just slobbers on your face. Um, So yeah, he just, saw her and he just launched out her and started kissing her face. She fell back, knocked her head.
0: Oh, that's going to be cute till he's about 15 and then <laughs> and then that could be a jail sentence.
1: <laughs> I remember when um my nephew, he's 7 now. I remember when he went through a kissing phase when he was like 2 and he cuz he wanted to kiss on the lips all the time and I'd always be like Mm, like I feel bad denying you but don't kiss (laughs) me on the lips like and what were other people doing like when Remy tries to kiss other people on the lips what will I expect them to do like I don't know it's weird I'll be like can you just move your face to the side (laughs) it's weird anyway that's boring stuff (laughs) all I've done today is talk about babies (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Wait, so there was no when do children entertainers start coming to kids' birthday parties? You know the that, one that they dress up as a dinosaur or whatever and they make balloons. They make little Maybe
1: like three. I do you know something really cringe? When I was 16, I had this party and it was like this huge thing back then. Cause my mom would just say like invite anyone. So everyone came. And um, we had, like, we turned all these walls into, like, graffiti walls. And anyway, my house got trashed, but my my parents hired (laughs) so embarrassing. They hired um, hip-hop (laughs) dancers. And they came and did a break dance and then left. (laughs) And I was, like, so embarrassed. I was, like, they're part of the party. (laughs) They're my friends. (laughs) Oh, so cringe. But I think it was just one, actually. Or maybe two. But, yeah, it was... That was shameful. Low moment of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, to be fair though, at that stage, every single day after school, I would watch My Sweet Sixteen on MTV. So they're probably getting some ideas from that. <laughs> unfortunately,
0: yeah, break uh, was a thing back in uh, thing. yeah twenty years ago. Everyone loved it, <laughs> and then it became kind of cringe.
1: It is. Yeah, yeah, I, it I did
0: a bit of it. I was alright, actually. I uh, I
1: can see that. I reckon, yeah, you should get back yeah, into it. a bunch
0: of ethnic people did it. And, and then I did a few lessons with – it, Asians love breakdancing. So yeah. I did it with a bunch of Asians. And then at our uh, school formal – no, the after party or something like that, um, me and this other guy, we'd, we'd done a dance battle at all the major events in the years, so <laughs> in the Year 9 camp and then Year 10 formal and then Year 11 cruise. Uh-huh. And it was becoming kind of cringe. People didn't like it. Uh, and so then, in the year twelve form, I took the mic at one point. I said, "All right, everyone, I got to say something." And then everyone—you could hear people groaning because it was like, "Oh, this guy again," because <laughs> I was the annoying class clown. And I said, "Oh, Richard and I have to do one last dance battle." And then people uh-huh. thought that was cute because, you know, end of school, and we'd actually prepared for the last week all this choreography. So we started acting as though it was going to be a battle. And then we started dancing in unison.
1: Oh, really, my God. Yeah,
0: it was um, it was. That's so it was cute. Nice.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. That would have been so amazing. Did it, was it responded too well? Was everyone yes. hyped? And then oh, I tried to do a head so
0: spin, cute. but I uh, wasn't able <laughs> to do that, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> How did you feel about that?
0: I've been embarrassed, but at least I tried. So. <laughs> that's
1: so cute. Oh, that's yeah. wholesome.
0: Yeah. Give back. could old break dancing.
1: You should add it to the end of your um, tour this year.
0: Well, for a while, when I was 18, I wanted to be a triple threat. I wanted to be able to sing and dance and act. Oh, yeah. And then I took a year of singing lessons and dancing lessons and then I stopped.
1: Oh. Can you sing?
0: (laughs) Not anymore. And and could you when was, you
1: when you did the lessons could you like did you actually is it like a thing you can develop with practice? Yeah,
0: you can yeah, you can take lessons yeah. and work on your tone and things, but I yeah. don't, I wasn't I wasn't a natural. I was a natural right. at uh acting. Yeah. Certainly wasn't. A, I was alright at dancing actually. I think I was alright. Yeah. But uh the singing didn't come naturally and mm. you know, I improved on it a little bit, but yeah.
1: Just a double threat.
0: Yeah, it wasn't good. Um mm. but don't need, you don't need all three skills now. You don't need any skills now to be an entertainer. You just got to post <laughs> yeah. average sketches online and yeah. become multimillionaires. Have you noticed there's all these trios of kind of white boys doing sketches online now? So there's Inspired yes. Unemployed. Well, there's two of them and then Swag on the Beat and Mates Rates and just a, they, they've popped up out of nowhere. They're all like these comedy One Direction crews of Australia.
1: It's crazy.
0: And they're all very, they're all good. Well, some of them are not for me personally, but they're all good at what they do. And they're just like clones of each other. Mm,
1: Yeah. There's so much of that in like interview people that do um, street interviews. And it's like this, my TikTok feed, it's all the same all the time. Would you date this person? What do you rate this person? Would you date someone that's plus size? Like constantly. (laughs) That's just. People are asking the same questions. What body count a is feminist? a red
0: flag? That's, a, that's yeah. a common one.
1: Yeah. Gosh. If you date me, yeah.
0: I think China is uh, trying to divide us with this kind of content.
1: <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's the next topic we'll talk about next week. Yeah. But um, too. escapism, speaking of TikTok, speaking of social media, uh, do you think – people are looking for more avenues to escape do you think do you think there's been a void of maybe spiritual institutions in the current world and thus people are looking for something that kind of mimics that spiritual feeling and they're finding that in either well drugs or uh digital escapism like vr or or porn or even even only fans to a certain degree it's not it's, mm-hmm. it's real, it's a real person, but it's not authentic intimacy, it's commodified intimacy. What are your mm. general thoughts on the epidemic of escapism, if we can call it that?
1: So I think that there's two parts. There's one part when you look at like pornography and uh, video games that aren't multiplayer or um, fantasy novels or just like fiction books and I feel like that part is about escaping reality or getting it out of the norm or just imagining or envisioning something different. Um, And there's something that's really appealing to be able to forget where you are at the moment um, or what's going on in the world or your own problems and your own issues Um, And then there's the other side where I think of like the furry community and um, multiplayer online games like uh, World of Warcraft where you could interact with other people or um, Habbo Hotel, which was massive and became huge again in um, COVID when that started and how that is more about a sense of belonging and like getting that community feel that we're not getting face-to-face anymore. So I think that there's those two avenues and then the reason why this kind of came up for me to do this podcast is have you seen all that stuff going on about Snow White at the moment the new Snow White movie and there's that interview going viral I should know her name but she's she's there's a new Snow White movie and there is a clip on TikTok going absolutely viral of the girl that's playing Snow White it hasn't come out yet and she's in this interview she's like we wanted to write this like this is not like your usual Snow White. That was from 1937. Like she doesn't need a man. She doesn't need th- this, she doesn't <laughs> need that. She's going to find her own way. Like all this like it's all about like feminism and there's no dwarves in the movie and there's no romance and she's not manipulated by a man, etc. all this stuff and she was like so you could the, tell me what's
0: the movie? <laughs> exactly happens?
1: i don't know what happens in the movie she goes on some journey and like i don't know it was a warrior i don't fucking know but um i made up that part about being a warrior i actually don't know what the hell she does but she it, she was like you could see in the in the interview she's like really proud of it and she kind of like everyone's saying she sounds like a pick me girl and um <laughs> and she was very much like, we're, you know, breaking the norm here. Like we're making history by turning Snow White into something about feminism. And then the response from the public was it has gone so tits up that people are like, Snow White isn't about that. Like the appeal of Snow White isn't about, you know, supporting the patriarchy or being misogynistic. It's about a woman that is, soft and feminine and believes in true love and she's compassionate and empathetic and wants true love. Like let us have that movie so we can have that escape and fantasize about finding our true love. Like we don't need to like take that away and think that, you know, women that fantasize about true love or Prince Charming are anti-feminist or have internalized misogyny. So it's gone up so bad and the pe- now they're talking about pulling the movie and not even releasing it. Wow, So the media really? is trying to – yeah, the media is now trying to spin it. Clearly they've been um paid off because they're saying like the public react um, in a racist way to the actress because the actress is uh maybe like Latina. I, I don't know. I just took a guess there. I actually don't know what, what she is, but she's not white basically. So people are saying – everyone's racist because they're not going to like her version of Snow White. But really it's nothing to do about that. It's just because <laughs> they don't want – that's not Snow White. Um, it hasn't stayed true at all. And and then there's this whole thing about, well, what about the seven dwarves? And people are saying – like the producers of this um, movie are saying there shouldn't be dwarves in the movie. It's offensive. And then actual like little people are going on TikTok saying – we rely on movies like this for work. Like I'm an actor, it's harder to get jobs here. This is literally the ideal job for me. Don't take it away from me and give it to a fucking normal-sized person. Like, come on. So, yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting.
0: Wow, well, I'm glad <laughs> it's embarrassing I avoided for this her as well. I'm glad yeah. I didn't. I, I wasn't you exposed seen it. to to this. Um. Yeah, sounds like a dumpster fire, and yeah, sounds kind of—it's ir- it it's quite ironic, isn't it? Because uh, she's trying to it sounds like she's trying <laughs> to articulate this very progressive social justice ethos yeah. behind the work, and then she's being castigated online for being unrealistic, being a pick me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, it's um, sounds like
0: a lot of infighting.
1: It's definitely, yeah, backfired. So I did find that interesting that everyone was like, we want that escape. We want to watch these romantic movies and that's what we like um, because the audience is typically female. So it kind of got me thinking of that. And then I had this other experience where in June I always read nonfiction books. I never read fiction books. And then in June I decided I got a Kindle and became a Kindle girly and I decided I'm going to read fiction books and – especially because Romeo at that point was not sleeping at all. And I was up all night and I was like, while I'm rocking him to sleep, I'm just going to hold my Kindle and read because I'm too tired to read nonfiction. Nothing's going in. I'm just like looking at a page for like 40 minutes, not reading anything. So I started reading non-fictional books and it's been, <laughs> sorry, a couple of months and I've read 22 books. And Wow. what I found. Yeah. Like just going through them so fast because I'm so like, Oh, this is so enjoyable. I haven't read fiction books in years. Oh, aside from really occasional, like one or two every couple of months or a few months. And I went through this series of book. I can't even remember what it's called. It was, um, last month <laughs> i read so many since then, but I read the series and it was like three books back to back. And it was like, um, very like set in like 1600s or whatever and there was magic involved and violence and romance and everything and the books were massive, like 600 pages each and I kept, I read them all uh, back to back and I was reading them all day, all night, that I anytime I was like had spare. And then wow. when the book finished, I just burst out crying. <laughs> I really? I was like so depressed for like a day and I was like I literally am missing – these characters are missing this Well, What happened to these people? Where are these people going? Like I just felt like empty inside and I was like, wow, like that was like I didn't even realise I was experiencing true escapism until I finished it. And then I went on this rampage being like, let's get that feeling again. So then I started reading book after book after book after book. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been interesting experiencing it myself wow. as well. So, well, that's okay. a very
0: healthy form of escapism.
1: Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure the I, think I haven't that. gone In the fairy read. community or gone to porn addiction yeah. or something. It's yeah. like you want to be reading.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just like leaving out that you were high on cocaine while you're doing it. But imagine that cocaine <laughs> and reading. I don't think that would work. You
1: might, you might be onto something there.
0: Yeah, I think you'd need a hallucinogen if you're doing uh, fiction reading. But anyway, I've never been able to get into fi- – I used to read a lot of fiction as a teenager and the last one I read was a mm. Stephen King book um, in my early 20s and yeah. I just haven't been able to get into any of that. I read a lot of yeah. non. – a- I- I'm like what you were. I'm just reading nonfiction all the time. Yeah. But I cannot yeah. read fiction. I just um, – find it boring, I, I don't like the stories, I maybe yeah. I didn't need, a, need the right book. Um, I tried some of the the classics and
1: they yeah, didn't no. really
0: resonate and then I tried some of the modern ones and they don't really resonate either. So, yeah, yeah. I, I also haven't really found a lot of – I wish – I'm generally happier if there's a uh, TV show that I'm really obsessed with and hooked in the story and – I'm waiting for the next episode and I look forward to watching that Yeah, maybe after dinner. But uh, this whole year, there hasn't really been anything I've gotten into. Uh, the new Black Mirror um, season was good.
1: Are you serious? I was so shit. I was uh, so disappointed okay. in that season. I was like, this isn't Black Mirror.
0: <laughs> no, I thought it was <laughs> all right. This? I haven't seen all of it. Oh. Um, oh. I it was okay. But yeah, I, look, it wasn't as good as the earlier seasons. So. Yeah. I used to really like Law and Order SVU, but. um, Oh,
1: yeah. I loved Law and Order SVU.
0: The recent seasons aren't doing it for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I'm just. uh, I don't have a good form of escapism right now.
1: You need to get. I feel like everyone needs one. We're watching this. (laughs) Everyone needs one healthy one, (laughs) is what I should say. Um, I feel like I wonder for fit people if escapism is like if you go to the gym or going for a run. Counts as that. I've never
0: yeah. related to that. Because sometimes so I – Maybe that's your thing. Yeah, that could be it because I definitely feel like I'm in a different mental world when I'm doing that and sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, imagine certain scenarios to help me get through a, a yeah. arduous workout. So that could be – that would be yeah. close to it. I've, yeah. I, I've been trying to watch a few movies lately. I have been enjoying a few – what did I watch? Well, clearly wasn't that enjoyable because I can't remember. It, but, but um, oh, it was Inside Man or something, something with Denzel Washington. It was good. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. no, I'm becoming like old man yells at cloud, like oh, all the new ones they don't they don't make them <laughs> like they used to. Oh, where
1: they've um, all gone the woke. Sh- you should watch this. Do you have Stan? No. Oh, never mind then. But anyone else, we're watching the show from. And it's so good. It's like a like sci-fi horror. I love sci-fi. It's my favorite genre. So um, that's good shit. I do recommend it. Well come if com- you have Stan.
0: Coming back to the Snow White story. Look, I I don't I haven't heard much about this. I don't know, but there does seem to be a common theme in a lot of these feminist remakes that the they've taken away the the patriarchal structure of the original story and they've replaced that with a mm. more female centric empowered vision of her not needing a man and sort of taking on the world herself and for my guess is that for a lot of women that would be their form of escapism as well because there may be maybe maybe older women or maybe uh, some women who who re- really want to see the, the heroine who kicks butt and fights off all the bad guys and, yeah. you know, is that maybe for some other women is the pick me type of character. Do, do you think that's that's also escapism for
1: yeah, some people I as well? Yeah, I think that's a really big trope in that and there's this sound that is like really viral on BookTok, which for anyone that doesn't have TikTok, it's like TikTok videos about book reviews but there's a massive community with like millions of people. And when I started reading this fictional, I basically bought like all these books based on what's trending on book talk at the moment. So I was like, what is everyone reading? So then I see, I read the book and then I see like a thousand videos about the book I've read and all these theories on it, which has been enjoyable as well. But there's this common trope in so many of these books that I read and the sound describes it where it's like, she's really frail Her limbs are so weak her bones break all the time she's got like hypermobility or something (laughs) like she's just so petite and so frail yet she kills the wolf with her bare hands and she hunts and she's extremely good at wielding weapons and she's really powerful and really strong despite being so petite tiny and weak (laughs) like weak looking and she's also extremely sexy she does have the body of a 12 year old, but she's got massive tits and every guy wants her, but not the enemy <laughs> Like that guy doesn't want her, but why is she secretly attracted to him? But no, she has to defeat this thing, like this all powerful thing that she has to overcome and defeat. And then the attraction's growing. And then he's, they call them shadow daddies on book talk where it's like the dark guy, like the mysterious dark guy that like
0: shadow daddy. Is the,
1: yeah. <laughs> Is like the oh, I he that. looms in the background, but he, Loki he's the main is character. The name
0: of my next stand up show. <laughs> that is so good.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Shout <out to>
0: you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it's just the bad boy that's secretly good in the um in the book and they're they're always like damaged and he's he's lost his whole family. Or his entire community was murdered and he's seeking revenge and that's why he's so cold. But secretly he really needs the warm comfort of a woman's touch. Like that's just like the whole tribe of the book, of every common, book
0: I've read. And we've spoken about that with romantic novels as well. It sounds yeah. like there's similar themes in yeah. romantic stories too. So
1: Every single thing has that same, like it's literally, I feel like I could write a best-selling book. I know that's easier said than done, obviously, but I feel like Every single book is based on it. And I wasn't even picking these books based on, like, romance because when I read, like, just just romance books, I find them cringe. But even they have that same, like, trope as well where it's a woman and she's just a small town girl <laughs> and she meets this Whoa. guy and he's so rich and dangerous out, or he's in the mafia or he's a werewolf or he's a vampire or what he's you, unattainable. What
0: makes a guy dangerous <laughs> When when women are like, oh, he's so dangerous. What is in? Is he strong? Is he scary?
1: Yeah, like everyone's intimidated by him.
0: Uh, everyone. Okay.
1: He maybe only has like one or two friends that he smiles to. Um, he comes across really aggressive and he has a cold, staring gaze. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, if it's not, it- if it's a fantasy book, he has like the strongest powers as well. Uh, <laughs> but deep down, mm. he's a really good guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always that, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It needs, yeah. The, it
0: needs the the woman's understanding and forgiveness to bring out the good in him. Yeah. But then yeah, if there's a part like two, that, then um... then he becomes domesticated and docile and then she loses attraction and then that would be no, that
1: never happens the return of the... the
0: shadow daddy. <laughs> that would be if a man wrote part two and three. <laughs> the, yeah. It would be that he he uh eventually does stop being dangerous and becomes really nice and domesticated but then uh she loses interest and then he uh it's like the return of the shadow daddy
1: yeah at 45
0: that would, be, that would be that would be fantasy for men
1: <laughs> do you know what's funny about speaking of um, this is completely unrelated to um, books but just talking about men's fantasies where yesterday adrian and i were at a, like indoor play center um, At Ringham Mall, and there's like this baby section where it's like a soft play section, and we were just trying to kill time before we drove back home. So we're playing there. It was like kids under three only, and there was one little brat, and he was like seven years old, and he was in the baby section, and his dad was just like looking at his phone, not even looking at the kid, and this kid was going feral, and he was picking up these things that are like two meters wide, like they're foam soft, but still like huge, and slamming them on the ground. And then this kid picked something up, did it again. It hit my baby. And I was like, oi, don't throw things. This is a baby. Like, you can't just throw something, get a baby. And the kid, like, didn't say anything. Dad didn't even look up. Nothing. And then this kid was being so, like, such a shit. He was running. He was stomping on it. He was stomping on little people's fingers like people were crying and then adrian was like we got to go like i'm getting so frustrated and then afterwards he was like i really wanted to just go and punch the dad like <laughs> just straight up punch him in the face and i was like is this one like is this what you fantasize about like is that what you imagine in your head in these scenarios not like hey man could you like rein your kid in he's being a bit of a dickhead but you just want to punch him and he's like yeah like that's what I wanted to do. I don't know if that's a man thing where you just imagine this straight-out violence, but I couldn't relate, but it was funny. He's never done it, obviously. He was just like, I just really wanted to.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look, a lot of uh, movies catered to male fantasies yeah. involve a lot of violence. Yeah,
1: let's talk about male and fantasies. And it's always,
0: I get, yeah. I get sick of these movies as well. It's always some guy who's poor and then gets involved in crime and then becomes a cold hard killer and then becomes a millionaire but then loses the girl that he liked and then has to you know fight some other guys to get her back there's always, there's always something like that mm, it's yeah. you know what there's like the 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 working class man fantasy and then there's like the sensitive guy fantasy the sensitive guy fantasy is every rom- romantic comedy which is you know the really beautiful girl That he's friends with, but she's dating a douchebag because, you know, he's buff and successful because clearly from a sensitive guy's point of view, every guy who's buff and successful must be a douchebag. And then she, you know, finds out that he's a douchebag and he usually cheats. And so then he does a grand romantic gesture and she realizes, wow, you were the one who loved me all along. Yes. I'm gonna fall in love with you,
1: and she's like a ten out of ten. Yeah, and he's always like, like, 10, like a four, well, huge tits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's um, he's just can write a poem or something, and that so that's that's true. such a male fan. That's a that's a sensitive male fantasy, and then yeah. like the the. Well, I watched Rocky Five the other day. No, Rocky Four. I watched. I, I, I re- rewatched some of the Rocky movies. I think that's definitely. Right. Taps know, into the, um, you know, aspirations of a lot of men. So Rocky is just this complete underdog, working class guy from Philadelphia, kind of dumb but has a heart of gold. And he, the 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 boxing champ at the time, just puts out uh, an offer, anyone who wants to fight me can fight me. And so Rocky was just, just an amateur boxer or something, takes it up and he just works – as a butcher and then he trains really hard and and actually doesn't win but he does really well and it's a show of heart and grit and then he um he's calling out to his girlfriend at the end and that's a really nice somber but Mm. beautiful moment and then it goes up to i i i've got to rewatch rocky two and three but then in rocky four he's become friends with that apollo creed who he was that heavyweight champion at the time and then this uh because this is in the height of the Cold War, so there's this uh Soviet monstrosity of a boxer that the Russians bring out to America, and they're like, "Okay, we want to challenge your best uh, American fighter." And so then Apollo goes to fight him, and then, and then he dies. It's so it's so oh. it's so dramatic. Spoiler alert! <laughs> it's so dramatic. Look, I like I'm a boxing fan, and it's just it's. It's kind of funny the way they um sensationalize the whole thing. Yeah. And so this this um his name's Drago and he kills Apollo. It's so ridiculous. And so then Rocky's like, I'll get my revenge. And then goes into a training camp, goes to Russia to fight for Apollo oh, okay. and wins. And then the Russians start cheering for him, and he's got the American flag, and then the Russian <laughs> Politburo st- stands up and claps for him. And apparently that's the best Rocky movie. It is really good. Look, when you watch it, it is very inspiring because there's a really great mm-hmm. training montage sequence in there. It's great filmmaking. It's, uh, yeah, it's a sort of, some would say, a kind of simplistic plot and uses a lot of common tropes. But it did, uh, oh, I found that one enjoyable. It was fun. So that's definitely. Yeah, I feel like
1: that's a, that's a big thing for men, like especially when, he he's just a small town guy, and he doesn't have any experience. And he starts like training and training and training, and it becomes like this amazing. Like that's like in Creed as well. Um,
0: yeah, I so Creed is the too. guy's son. That's the story apparently. Oh, right. So the guy who died, his son is uh, Creed. And so Rocky uh, feels bad. He's like, oh I gotta, gotta right. Training.
1: I was like, I've heard these names before, but I can't. That must be where I've been. Okay.
0: Yeah. This is
1: all making sense now. Well, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was a hugely popular film franchise in the 80s and definitely a lot of 80s films were like that just so overtly and unabashedly masculine and it was a lot of fighting films Bruce Lee oh wait Bruce Lee was probably more the 60s hey anyway uh there's definitely a lot of uh Films where there's an action hero who kind of takes down multiple bad guys and and mm. saves the girl it's always saving either if it's Liam Neeson saving his daughter or mm. if it's the rock just saving everyone and mm. fast and furious another one mm. it's yeah crazy. it's always something it's, it's about just justice like- something about <coughs> you know taking down the bad guys it's common male fantasy there.
1: Or like Captain America, where he's like really skinny, and then he goes into the machine, and he comes out like really buff and ready to fight. Sorry, I've like lost my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna do. This. I've had a cough for like a month.
0: Oh, we'll get through.
1: I'm gonna cough. Yeah,
0: go. That's fine. <clears throat>
1: I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry Chris. Okay. Okay, we'll keep it I'm in here. Right.
0: Keep it. We'll keep it raw and authentic. Keep
1: it real. Behind the, the scenes. the time. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.
0: those those do seem to be the common male fantasies in film at least. The the sensitive artistic misunderstood guy who ends up winning the girl's heart or the the alpha male who takes down the gang or the villains or the bad guys and mm-hmm. overcomes the odds, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. I think that really that does tap into, mm. you know, like do, oh, let's do a Marxist analysis of this where, you know, there's a lot of guys who feel like they've <laughs> been uh, counted out, they feel hard done by maybe but through, through life and their fantasy that is being mm-hmm. tapped into, their narrative is that, you know, here's someone who overcame the odds, I can do that too. and. yeah. It gives people a lot of hope. I think stories like that can be very powerful, and if it's fiction or film, I, I don't see anything unhealthy. There's always a there's always a excess that you can partake in with any sort of media, but yeah, generally speaking, even, I think um, that's quite healthy.
1: Even in real life, what I have found and observed, which is interesting, is things that are um, advertised towards men's betterment health relationships, dating, anything to do with coaching. I always find that male coaches that are trying to get male clients will say, I was this, this was me two years ago. I was broke. I was fat. I was unfit. I was unhealthy. I had no like dysfunctional relationships. This is me now. And that's how they get clients. Whereas women coaches don't talk about their journey, at least not very often where they say this was me, they just show themselves as the better Like, this is what you should inspire to be like, but they don't talk about their journey as much, but it seems like men really appeal to the, you get where I was. And now I, you inspire me. Like it's that, that journey from going from, I've made myself a better person. So I do find that like interesting that that seems to be an appealing trope. Um, for men that they can like they need someone, they want something to relate to or someone that's going to relate to them and use that as a selling point. Like, I've been there, man. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe there's that's that's that that little form of empathy there is what can really encourage the man to then pursue the actions that get them to the point that the self help coach is talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a very common trope. Every self help guru or personal trainer or yeah even in film it's always i was this and now i'm this Uh, It's just Mm -hmm. an inspiring story it's uh, it taps into people who might feel low status or might feel like they don't have control over their life and they might be more susceptible to um want to self-improve or um be part of a narrative that could be called a fantasy but these narratives that you know we've talked about this on other podcasts it's important to have a healthy narrative that gives you a strong sense of self and gives you an identity that is purposeful and meaningful and it's much healthier to have a narrative of all right i'm here now I'm low status and I'm not at a point in my life where I want to be, but I'm going to get to point X and I'm going to get that through, get there through grit and determination mm. even though the odds are, odds are stacked against me compared to I'm at point X right now and it's because the world did X, Y, Z to me and I've been hard done by. Even if that's ob- mm. objectively true, it's not the most advantageous narrative to adopt in order to get you out of that rut, which can be quite challenging to say to some people who might be in that position. Mm. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's that's when you start, to, yeah, you look to things as well that are like, well, you, this is what is appealing and attractive to me. I want to model this or I want to escape through this by watching someone else do it like vicariously and then that's when the film and the books – come in and things like that inspire you. And so like this isn't related to film or books, but like just uh, again on the the male fantasy, my brother works in advertising and he's really good. He makes a lot of money and he has been talking about being a firefighter like a hundred years. And um, he's about, well, he's in his final round of with the fireys going through that interviewing process. But like he wants to up and drop, his job, um, to be a firefighter. And I'm like, this is so like, he, he's, it's so appealing to him to be like that hero, that masculine, like be, he's super fit, really active, really like out there. And he's like being in advertising, isn't aligning to like his idea of who like his ideal self. So, and I find that so many, and when I talk about like, oh, Ollie's going off to do this and guys and Adrian are always like, I want to be a fireman. Like I've always wanted to do that. Like every guy says, I've always wanted to be a fireman. And so, have you? Have you ever wanted to do that? Or a cop?
0: No, I don't think so. It's a, it's a common, it's a it's a common yeah. uh, profession in a lot of guys. A lot of younger guys aspire to that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of heroism involved there. The uh, the yeah. the immediately what springs to mind is running through a burning building and saving yeah the saving the cat. <laughs> That's always <laughs> what it is. And I think it's important that we have people who are willing to do that because it's a dangerous job. But I don't think I've ever wanted to be either of those. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. That was very appealing to oh, me, yeah. exploring space and yeah, you know. The adventure involved with that, I think, was uh, pretty exciting. Uh, I'm always then, really curious yeah. about what
1: people wanted to be when they were children. I think it's always, like, really interesting when they're, like, this is what I envisioned for myself. Um,
0: Apparently now it's all YouTuber or social media yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I was. very, I'm very lucky. I, w- I wanted to be a, an actor and comedian from when I was about 12 and then I got to yeah. do that Uh yeah. So that, yeah, entertainment and maybe an athlete is a big one because, yeah, a, 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 you know, a prize athlete is someone who has been able to physically outdo and outcompete their competition. And I think that taps into something very primordial in the male brain that relates mm-hmm. to our status and our ability to... Um, you know, out compete uh, other people in an organised yeah. and um, yeah. civil manner. I think a lot of this comes down to the the some biological differences between males and females as well, mm. because a lot of this might be cultural. But I think some of this is so intrinsic. And yeah. as you were talking about the the Snow White. Um, recent controversy, there's a lot of women who even despite being in this now increasingly liberated position, individualistic and and have great disposable income, they still have that fantasy of falling in love and being swept off their feet by a handsome, charming prince and there are plenty of men who still want to be the hero to either a woman in their life or or multiple women. Yeah. And I can't help but feel that is very innate and not cultural.
1: Yeah. I think I think parts of it is for sure. Um I do find that really interesting and when um there's this really viral um adult fantasies book series um called A Court of uh shit, what's it called? A Court of Thrones and Thorns and Roses, or people call it ACOTAR. What's the acronym? It's been made into like a TV show as well. And it's like it's so massive. People are saying it's like the new Harry Potter but for adults. It's nothing to do with wizards but it is fantasy. And it's really there's a lot of romance in it. There's a lot of um, violence and um, kind of hardship, etc. And there's also a lot of um, like – dirty sexy scenes in these, in these books. And what's really funny is she's, the author has gone through like this, I think there's five, four or five books in the series. And the author's gone through like the first like couple of books where she's really built up the tension between these two characters, the two main characters, which is that trope again, the weak, fragile girl and the super um, strong, darker uh, shadow daddy, and then she becomes even more powerful, etc. And she builds up all attention and by the time like it's the end of the second book, like they've already settled and they're already in love and they're living together. And so people are like, okay, well like without the tension they don't want to read for the plot even though the actual plot of the book it's completely fascinating interesting and this this author has created worlds and all these like political issues and people were like well they're together whatever so then sh- the next the following books she had to do like a point of view from the main character's sister who then starts having tension with some other guy. so while she's still continuing the plot of what's going on in the world there's tension brewing with another two people and then the book she's releasing that's coming out soon She's doing it apparently from the point of view of the third sister who has tension brewing with someone else so that she has to keep like that the, in the background of her story that she's trying to tell some kind of romantic plot and then i've seen videos of women that get their husbands to read these books because they're like these are the best books you got to read them so then they get the men to do like read the books and do a review on it and the guys are like fuck like i have to like skip through there's so many like scenes about the romance or the sex like fuck that i want to <laughs> know like what happens in the war like <laughs> who's going to win the war what's happening here like why are they changing <laughs> perspectives i'm like invested in this main character from the first two books and how he's going to win the war and then all of a sudden it's about this other girl who has tension with some other guy, like fuck this! It's so fascinating to see. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is that is interesting because yeah. they say men um, like to convey information and talk about the details of what happened, whereas women like to talk about the, the feelings and get to know the character. Yeah. And so, fiction does yeah. seem like something that appeals to women just in general compared to a lot of men and the only fiction books I know that seem to uniquely appeal to men would be ones where a lot of movies are based off. So yeah. James Bond was initially, um, I think they were initially books and who's that Australian author, Matthew Riley? He, yeah. I used to read him when I was a teenager and it was just fast-paced action mm. as much as you could convey in, in the written form and I, I enjoyed those books a lot when I was a kid. I I did like Stephen King. The Stephen King book I read was it's called Mister Mercedes or something like that. And it was a murder oh, yeah. mystery. It was really interesting yeah. because I didn't know who it was, and then it turned. It was a big twist, and yeah, yeah it was a good, good novel. I, love I might try like, another Stephen King one. Actually, he's good.
1: Yeah, I went through a phase of reading horror books, and some of them were so disturbing. Um, like there's one. I think it's this one. It's called Tender Is the Flesh. And it's about like cannibalism and people breed women, like attractive women to eat them. And it's like so fucked up. And I'm like, and they rape them. And it's like, yeah, really graphic and like messed up. And it's a really small book. So it's like, just as you get into it, it ends in like a really like violent way. And you're like, what the fuck did I just read? But yeah, I went through a phase where I read like as many. of those, like I was Googling like what are the most disturbing books you can read just to see like how would it rattle me to read it on paper. But I was interested in like, I wonder if people get escapism from this. Like I was reading it for the shock value and wanting to feel shocked, but do people get lost into that kind of world and think about that? And probably, I think like, yeah. And I guess when I look at like the psychology of all these things as a whole, whether it be, even music, like people get lost in like certain types of music and um, and the books and the TV shows, the movies, the porn, whatever, the games. And at the end of the day, it's that we've lost that ability or we haven't de- developed the ability to sit in our mind and not be yeah. stressed and busy and... And oh, yeah. thinking about a million things and those things are so appealing to us because they pull us out of that and allow us to focus on something and bring us out of our head. But with the sad thing is, is that we need something like stimulating and in front of us in order to do that because so many people don't know how to meditate or they can't meditate or when they try they're focusing on they're just thinking about their worries. <laughs> they're like, cool, yeah. I'll give myself 10 minutes to think I'll try not to think. And then they're hmm. stressing about the fact that they're still thinking or just thinking about their worries and concerns. So
0: well, great, art. then they go
1: and watch 10 seasons of The Vampire Diaries to just escape and have that silence in their mind. Like that's what I find appealing about um, reality TV because Adrian and I are watching Jack Ryan at the moment and that's a very like, that's one of those like, man the shows I love it though like I was the one that suggested it but it's so like well written and it's so intelligent so smart but if you're not focusing I'm like wait what's this because there's all this like political agenda but in the show as well and I'm like I've missed this that's so confusing I don't know what happened if I am not like 100% focused in it you miss so much of the plot whereas reality tv that's like my trash tv I can go away, cook dinner, come back, and it doesn't matter. Like, I just like it just numbs. And I'm like, God, I got to stop relying on these things to mm. just like, that's what's really happening. I'm not watching The Bachelor to fantasize about The Bachelor or that romance or anything. It's not what I want on eat in my life. It's just the fact that it's like, oh, I'm not thinking about things and I'm not deciding things, planning things. I'm just chilling. I'm just relaxing yeah. without the noise in my head.
0: I get what you mean but at the same time I don't know if it's possible to never have a form of escapism that could be construed as unhealthy. I'm sure there's some people out there who just manage to meditate and, I don't know, walk in a garden or something that is pure and and healthy but, uh, look, I love – I watch sport. Sport's a big one for me and – Mm. You know, NRL finals time coming up. Sometimes I want to attach just, oh, yeah. listen there, yeah. NRL 360, where just four former players. No, two former players and two journalists who wish they were players just create controversy <laughs> that doesn't need to be created. But you know what? It's entertaining. Um, and sometimes I feel like the real world is so... Unbelievable that I'll detach by watching a current affairs or a uh, political program on YouTube because it's so unbelievable what's happening, particularly in America. Uh, the 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 mm-hmm. politics there is unfolding like some kind of dark, twisted play, and that to me mm-hmm. is really interesting and is a mm-hmm. a dark portrayal of collective human psychology and that's what I find so fascinating about it or maybe it's just yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, the ones that I guess could be unhealthy, are, you know, porn if you're using that to escape. Uh, I mean it's it's also so common now that it'd be hard to find a lot of guys that have completely cut it out. But um
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: A lot of the, the scenes in porn are very much, you know, the, the man is desired, The ob- is the object of the woman's desire and she's mm. a very mm. young, feminine, flirty, sexual mm. person who just is willing to please and do whatever he desires yeah. and often there's multiple women there so... It's yeah. that taps into maybe the lust for power, for control. Um, maybe because men feel so powerless and undesirable in in some of their lives, they escape by watching this kind of thing. So, yeah. Interesting. And I'm sure VR yeah, just um, exacerbates that escapism. I mean, who knows what that's going to be. Yeah.
1: Oh, Yeah. I was just going to mention VR and like multiplayer games is a really interesting one that it teeters on like the line of healthy and unhealthy because some people like develop really strong and amazing bonds and friendships with this online community, but they don't know who they are. They don't actually know who each other are. They're hidden behind um, obviously one a screen, but also an avatar that looks nothing like them. Um, I used to watch all these like docos made on like Second's World and, um, or even when you watch Catfish and they meet online and stuff like that, where they've got avatars, but definitely like, um, and Second's World is like a thing where you create a, a, um, oh, yeah, an avatar and then you in like, yeah, a second world, like a virtual world and you can go to like the club, you can get a house and people would make relationships on that. People would get married on that. And then I remember watching a documentary of, um, a girl that was on it and like really, really into it, that she made a actual living, um, by selling, um, they, I think they called them skins where she created like clothes and that the avatars could wear. And then people would buy money, like coins to then be able to spend it in the game and she would make real life money on it. So she was like, it was, became her job as well. And, um, and then she found love and, she gets married in the game. she's like, I was literally spending like eight, nine hours talking to this guy and she'd never seen him in real life. Um, and some people actually end up getting married in real life from it, but it's just really crazy because then when she talks about like all other people talk about when they see the person that they've been talking to and it's like, oh, like this <laughs> not that they're that necessarily a unattractive, but they literally... Related. Yeah, they've just literally fallen in love with their avatar. Like it's even if the person they're talking to is good looking, they're just not they're like, Well, you're not the person I've been talking to, you know, it's like that disconnect. So I do um find that really interesting. And I also remember like on um this one multiplayer game I talked about it last podcast, um, Habbo Hotel, and then years ago there was this trend where you could go into like a room, it was like a chat room. And at this point, have, hotel, have a hotel, you can be 13 and up. I don't know, or at that point, I don't know what it is now, maybe it's older or not. And um, there was a lot of adults on it and they would have these rooms and you could name them rooms. So you could be like, this is a club, this is a restaurant, whatever. And there was one that people would make called an adoption agency and people would pretend to be babies and, literally type as a baby and someone would come in and adopt them. And it's not even like a funny humorous thing. It was so serious. And you'd see like this, like a normal looking avatar with a baby baby another normal looking avatar but dressed in babyish clothes. They don't have baby avatars. They're all like adult looking avatars, but just dressed in like a beanie and a little hoodie. And it was like, that was like the outfit. If you're a baby and they talk in like baby language. And I just thought like, this is like a really interesting two-way relationship here where two people are getting things met. One person is pretending to be a baby and for the not getting anything in return, maybe they might get a little virtual gift or something from their mummy or daddy but what like it's a fascinating concept and there was like hundreds of people doing it or thousands even like it was such a thing so it is really um interesting and then like even like with world of warcraft um which adrian and i played that like a couple years ago we were really into that and i never spoke to a single person ever (laughs) on that neither did adrian but the chat you can see like there is a chat that just runs in the background and you can like some people just have developed best friends from that and they make communities and they've just like got these people and you wonder like well do they have friends in real life is this what's really appealing about them can they is it just that they're acting like the person that they want to be like they're getting their they're showing their truest self almost like they don't have to be hindered by social anxiety or worrying about their appearance, or maybe they're in an abusive relationship, or maybe they live in a country where they're not not allowed to leave their home or whatever. Um, But they could just be who they want to be or be their truest self and then be accepted by that because they're found like-minded people. And there's that sense of belonging, which is so strong and so appealing. And then what happens like when they go to work and all of a sudden they're really missing the game or like craving the game and desperately trying to get home to get back on the game. And it's such a thing. And it's been a thing for years since the internet's been around. So it's multiplayer games have kind of gone, like they've almost died out a little bit. They used to be really big, but I do feel like with new virtual reality and things like that coming out, that it's going to become massive again soon. And then only with the digital enhancements that we've got and all the crazy advancements in technology, like it's going to be ten times more addictive than it was ten years ago when it was a really big thing.
0: Yeah, video games is, is something we got to we got to touch on um, to end this podcast with as a form of escapism, especially for you for men because it yeah. sort of it again taps into that urge to conquer, Violence. to dominate, <laughs> to be a warrior, to be a fighter, yeah. to have a tribe that overcomes the uh, bad actors and is able to achieve a goal or achieve justice and it's it's addictive it's fun it's stimulating um it can it can create a community online so i think a lot of this is also all right the technology is so good and there are multi-million dollar companies with engineers trying to hook people into these things but it's also something to be said about the real world. The real world's kind of boring for a lot of people. It's dull. It's uh, not what they want it to be and as a result, they're more inclined to escape. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. If if, I don't know, and I... if you're working a dead-end job and you feel like you can't get ahead, you feel like you can't, you can't have purpose in your real life, or well, you're going to try to escape to a virtual life makes, makes exactly. sense.
1: exactly Because you can, and from the comfort of your own home. And I think that's like a really big thing. And we talked about this in another podcast or a few podcasts about like the third place, like you have your home, you have your work, you've got all your school and you've got your home. And the third place used to be the bar where you go with your friends or the park where you go kick a ball. And now it's like, it's online is the third place. And just like, when you think about people, they work five days a week And you get home and it's already six o'clock and you're just so fucking tired. You're so exhausted. You don't want to go out. Or when you try to get people to go out with you, it's so difficult to organize and arrange. And then you've got that, well, maybe I can just pop online and I see the same people at the same time every single night and they're always going to be there. It's way easier and it's way more consistent. It's way more reliable. And you're getting that sense of belonging, that sense of community, friendship, where it's like, it's really hard to maintain friends in this day and age when people are so busy or just so tired because of how much they work. Like, I think like if I didn't have a baby up here, one, I wouldn't have a community or friends, but, um, I'd also just be like, so like lonely and, um, I wouldn't have people that I see every week. Or even if I, had still had Remy and went back to work it would suck because I'm so used to seeing like people from my mother's group I see like once or twice every every single week where I see my best friends from home once every from Sydney like once every few weeks or maybe once every couple of months even now like it's really you can understand the appeal of it and also the danger of it when it's like well will that eventually become our norm where it's like okay I'll meet you in the metaverse <laughs> We'll chat Probably. there, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like when I was talking about on the other day that people are doing work meetings on a virtual reality type setup game, not Metaverse or, or Zoom, but like having a literal office avatar, like yeah, it's just crazy. It, it will
0: increase for sure because it's so cost yeah. effective and that you're not limited by geography but mm. i don't think real life interaction will ever fully be replaced i think there's just no, still yeah. something unique about interacting with people in the yeah. in the real world the fact that that's a statement someone is saying is insane <laughs> um well, real life yeah. interaction is here to stay it's not going <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> as though it's a trend or something <laughs> yeah yeah that's wild sure. um yeah Mm, well, maybe this podcast is escapism for some people and yeah. if it is, I hope it does the job and I, I hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, comedy show, comedy untamed.com. There's a bunch of people who met on Discord that were at the, one of the shows and my Aww, solo tour cute. is, yeah, they didn't laugh a lot but they laughed <laughs> a lot for people who met on Discord uh, my solo <laughs> tour is happening, neilcarlhacker.com slash tickets. And you can still get, uh, any of the Crush Organics products, use the code Neil, you get 40% off. All of that stuff is great. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Share this podcast with someone if you think it will resonate with them and we will see you next time.
1: Next week.